Welcome to this Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us. Now, here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. Hi, and welcome to another Women in Safety podcast. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Jessica Palmer, who is the owner of Bright Minds Sleep Psychology, and Constable Amy Boudre, who is a police officer and wellness project manager. Now, we're going to be looking at a bit of a different topic. We're going to look at the impact of lack of sleep and good sleep on our shift workers and what can be done to help every person who is doing shift work get the resources that they need and the knowledge to ensure that they're getting a good quality sleep um, before they come to work. So let's dive into the conversation. Uh, So thank you for joining us today. This is awesome. It is a topic that doesn't get spoken about much. And so it's kind of like a group of workers that's kind of left out in the cold because we often think about the people that we see during our day in in those that we engage and connect with. And I know because I had... um, in a grocery store that was 24 hours, a lot of attention was focused on the day crew and then the night crew who would start at 11 p.m. and work the nights, they would almost hear nothing from corporate head office. So I'm really glad that we're actually shedding some light, the spotlight on this to get people thinking about it. And so I wanted to kick it off by kind of looking at What is the impact that the shift work actually has to start with on our physical and mental health? Maybe Jessica, you could kick that off. Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, I you can't really think about shift work without stopping and thinking about the circadian rhythm and that what we're doing is asking people to work at night and sleep during the day, which goes against our internal 24 hour clock. Um, and so it's really not what, what does it disrupt? It's what it, what doesn't it disrupt? It really disrupts everything. Um, all of our body sim- systems are connected to this clock. And unless you shift your circadian rhythm for night work, you're really going to be constantly working against your body's, um, you know, fine tune order of operations can really wreak havoc on cardiovascular health, GI, um, insulin and insulin resistance, hormone production, um, and just the act of kind of pushing through night after night and then going home and trying to sleep but not getting that good sound sleep during the day just takes a huge toll on mental and physical health. I need you to kind of describe to us a little bit more when you're talking about the rhythm, because I don't think that's something that a lot of us are educated about. Sure, absolutely. Well, we have a circadian rhythm that sort of guides when we wake in the morning. It's sort of our internal body's clock. It guides when we wake in the morning, when we eat throughout a day, when it's time to go to bed at night, 
and it's still operating even when we're asleep. Um, and all of our hormone secretion, our um, digestion, blood pressure, everything is really, you know, kind of timed and orchestrated around the clock. We as humans are diurnal. Um, th that means that we are programmed, you know, for thousands of years to wake with the sun and sleep with the dark. So unlike say raccoons or uh, bats who are nocturnal and they, they wake up at night and they naturally you know, are driven biologically to go to sleep during the day. So, you know, as long as we're working during the day and sleeping at night, we are working in alignment with our circadian clock. Um, and, you know, that's actually one of the things I like to really work with shift workers um, on is learning how to shift your circadian rhythm so that when you work at night, you can actually be aligned. And Amy, um, what is your experience with trying to shift this? Yeah, thanks. Um, for me, so I mean, I work shift work and uh, I'm a police officer. I just want to mention too, it, not just night shift workers, but it could be extended hours. So if you're working 10 or 12 hours or even plus more than that, because let's say you have overtime or you're stuck at the office or whatever the reasons are, or you have to get up really, really early to be able to make it to your shift. So let's say you have to get up at 4 a.m. because you start at six. If you're kind of in that zone of you're just um, not within that, the natural rhythm um, that Jessica was talking about with that circadian rhythm, it can still throw you off whether you're working a full night shift or not. Um, but my experience early on, and again, because I didn't really have the knowledge or the education about what was actually happening to my body and Someone can talk to you about shift work. Oh yeah, it's challenging. It's this, it's that. Means nothing until you're actually in it, and you don't really realize how depleted you can actually become over a period of extended time. I was working frontline for the first five years of um, my job, and you know, over time, the shift work. You know, when you start to feel depleted. Um, you start to eat differently. Maybe you're not eating as healthy uh, as healthy as you were before. Um, some of your normal routines will change. So um, you maybe stop working out or exercising like you used to. So that really your energy reserves kind of go down. And then ultimately, if you're just not getting good sleep. So the first couple of years when I was working shift work, I could not get used to trying to sleep in the daytime and working at night. Um, it actually took me a really long time in my 10th year of policing now and where I'm at today compared to where I was at when I first started completely different because I've educated myself on different practices and routines I can use to shift my circadian rhythm but it wasn't there in the beginning. Um, so I suffered I used to average three hours of sleep if that um, had really hard time sleeping during the daytime I probably like the sliver of light coming in would keep me awake. Temperature was warmer during the day. It wasn't as cool. So it was harder for me to stay asleep full time. And I didn't know any of those things about different tricks with white noise, maybe to kind of tune out the sounds of, you know, cause life is still going on outside of your window. You're ultra, you're, you're sensitive to the slightest noises or sounds like your senses, because again, your body is supposed to be alert. You're supposed to be awake. 
So I really had trouble in the beginning. Um, I did try to take some more natural sleep aid because I know that, you know, sometimes people will turn to like, oh, I just need a drink of alcohol to keep me, um, to unwind me before I go to sleep. Or maybe I'm going to take a sleeping pill, which is like the worst thing you can do because it actually throws your system off even more. And then you can Mm -hmm. become dependent, Um, broken sleep. So I, I tried to use a more natural melatonin. But even taking that wasn't, I didn't feel restful and then the different doses. And anyway, I just, I had really struggled the first uh, couple of years of working shift work. And that's why I think this conversation is so important so that we can maybe shed some light on some of the practices that I've discovered even over the last um, extra five years of, of working it. And um, I feel much more whole and I'm, I'm telling you, if you're not getting quality sleep, it, you can't function long-term like that. It's, you're going to break down. And that kind of leads me into thinking about um, how is this going to impact our response when we're under stress for having to make decisions? Because you need to be rested, well-rested in a lot of jobs in order to have that quick focus, especially in a job like yours where you're a police officer. Jessica, what's your um insights on that absolutely um i i think you can't think about the effect of shift work on decision making without thinking about the effect of sleep deprivation on decision making and uh we all have had a bad night of sleep and we know how it you know makes us feel the next day Mm -hmm. um when, like Amy said, you know, getting three to four hours uh, a morning of good quality sleep, and then a whole bunch of, you know, broken sleep around that, or just mm-hmm. really, you know, um, short sleep um, can lead people to operating machinery, um, making decisions that is similar to operating a car with a blood alcohol level of 0.08. So, I mean, you're looking at feeling almost a bit intoxicated with your decision-making. I think, you know, it it affects focus, concentration, memory, problem solving, Um, having made quick, fast decisions as a police officer, I can't even imagine um, at three o'clock in the morning, you know, how anybody could really do that. Um, nurses, doctors um, in manufacturing, they're working with like really heavy industrious equipment. Um, and so, you know, this definitely could affect decision-making, how, how we just process information um, and how we stay safe working shifts. And, and I think that's where, you know, I, I'm just drawn to help this population who I feel are undertrained um, with with sleep training and and how to cope. Like Amy said, she just had to figure it out for herself. That's not fair. What other what career do you go into and 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 don't get training? Like uh, we should all deserve to be trained properly. And a lot of companies, I think they just assume if you've signed up for ship work, you are ready to handle it and you know what to do them to do that for you. And I think we do them a huge disservice from a health and safety standpoint. Um, and I think we could really, it's win-win. I think we could really help not only the individual health work, uh, shift worker to be healthier, happier um, and safer 
you're going to help the corporation too by by training your workers on before they even take their first night shift. Mm -hmm. Jessica, I don't even think that people even think about it. I, I don't know. think they stop and think that, oh, we're asking people to do shift work. So there needs to be training to check yeah. in to make sure that the, the resources are available and the knowledge of how to adjust your rhythm so that yeah. you can be healthy working those hours. I don't think it's even in the conversation. Yeah. Like, I think, like Amy said, they're, they're, you know, maybe some orientation manuals will have a little blip about the circadian rhythm and, you know, consider blackout curtains or white noise machine, but it goes so far beyond that. And that's what I, I feel like my call is, is really yeah. just to be able to teach step by step by step. First, you do this, then you do this. This is when you start drinking your coffee. This is when you stop drinking your coffee. Wear your yeah. blue light blockers when you leave in the morning. So when you get home, your brain doesn't think it's daylight. It thinks it's nighttime. So, so, you know, so this would actually, this would actually be an opportunity for um, bringing in a resource. If you're sitting there yeah. and you're saying, I don't know anything about this as a health and safety professional, well, it still has to do with the occupational health of your workers. So it's Absolutely. still within your purview. So then you should be thinking, what, what can I bring in? Who can I bring in to be providing these resources? Is that what you're saying? Yep, absolutely. And so I um, was hired about five years ago for a company mm -hmm. who was turning into a 24 seven operation. They hadn't been before that. And their HR guy was awesome. And he contacted me because he knew I do a lot of sleep psychology, work with chronic insomnia and other sleep disorders. And he said, can you create a workshop? Just want to prepare them. I want to give them all the information, you know, that they need to go from just working, you know, nine to five to, you know, we're going to be taking turns on 12 hour night shift, day shift and a slow rotation. So I said, hmm, well, let me look into what can be done. And I did some consultation and I pulled some journals from the library and there's a lot that can actually be done. And um, when I did the workshops with the, the corporation, um, several of the shift workers came up to me afterward and said, I've been working shifts for seven years at different places. How mm -hmm. come I've never been taught this before? And I said, I have no idea. And they were all just, you know, gobsmacked and just like yeah. this is awesome I can't wait to implement these you know ideas I feel like I can actually get better control over my sleep and my health and start functioning and you know similar to what Amy said some turn to alcohol to sleep they're they're you know overdoing it with the sleeping pills even on their day off they can't sleep I just just worked with a guy who hasn't worked shifts for about 10 years and mm -hmm. hasn't slept well since. <laughs> and he finally figured it out. You know, he's still been snacking in the middle of the night when he wakes up and not able to sleep a solid night, even though he's been working days for almost 10 years. So it's it's a it can really turn into a circadian rhythm disorder for some yeah. people and they really need help for it. But we can prevent that with proper evidence-based sleep sleep training. And I don't even think that people 
consider their rhythm. I don't think that's something in high school we're even trained about when we really should be. Now, Amy, mm -hmm. I wanted to bring you into the conversation too. So like what things are you doing with your teams in order to help provide them the resources and the knowledge? So first, I just want to kind of touch on what was being said when I, what I really like that you're bringing up is it touches on so many things. It's not just your sleep cycle. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are interconnected. We need to look at ourselves as a holistic approach, mind, body, spirit, everything is interconnected. So similar to what Jessica was saying with how it affects not just your sleep, but your hormone levels, your mood, mm -hmm. uh, blood sugar level with how you're eating your metabolism, which then transpires down into your gut health and your digestive issues and everything. So someone could have one problem with how they're feeling, um, but it could be interconnected with all of these other things. And when you're working shift work, you are naturally at a higher risk of metabolic diseases, long-term mm -hmm. for chronic illnesses, gaining weight, other types of things. So, you know, it just not, it's not, you know, even if someone's trying to lose weight or they're trying to feel better and have higher energy levels. And how does this translate into your, into not just your work performance, but your personal life? What is that? How is that weighing on your personal relationships? Are you triggering and you're reacting because you have low energy and um, now you are less tolerable and you are getting into arguments easier because you don't have the patience? Are you behaving that way with coworkers at work? How is, how is your performance at work when you're on the job and you have to interact with people or a conflict comes your way or just dealing with other community members. It could be anybody. How are you interacting with that person now? Because you are off balance mm -hmm. and now it's being, it's like a ripple effect. Someone's healthy and they're feeling good. They're going to um, perform better. You're going to get quality work. They're going to have less errors, um, you know, because it doesn't just, again, like it's not just about sleep, but it's also there's um, different rhythms in your cognitive, in your cognitive functioning at different times of the day. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's research studies that show that, you know, let's say if you're working a four shifts in a row, you're working, let's say two day shifts and then two night shifts or whatever your, um, cycle is with your work schedule, that first transition day from day shift to night shift is usually, um, has the highest or most acute, um, injuries or like errors or mistakes that are made because, a lot of the times people are still waking up at their regular hours mm -hmm. to be with their family or whatever their responsibilities are. And a lot of times people don't even take a nap and then they go to work for that night, sh that first night shift. So you got like 14, you know, 12, by the time you've been already up all the rest of the, you know, the whole day. And then you're working yeah. the whole day. Like there's days where you're almost up 24 hours. Like it's not. So, so Jessica, I was hoping that maybe, do you have any, plans or recommendations that you can like share with health and safety professionals that they could lay out in the work like just a Amy was mentioning yeah so first I will say you know um I love how Amy said the organizations have to take responsibility mm -hmm. for this and you know whether it's your HR department or your EHS manager um, you know, going to these people who have the power to, you know, get this training onboarded um, for every shift worker to get everybody caught up so that, you know, they know 
um, how to cope with shift work, how to sleep effectively during the day and how to feel naturally more alert at night and to be in alignment with the night work um, or the slow rotation. I will say that, you know, it's my opinion that um, rapid rotation, such as what Amy is experiencing and what a lot of first responders experience, I feel should be abolished like yeah. once and for all. But we can't do that before we educate everyone or everyone will go crazy. <laughs> the idea, yeah. I mean, right now, a lot of ship workers that are on the rapid rotation, they're just doing what Amy's doing, doing their best to you know, stay in alignment with their regular, um, with their regular circadian rhythm and, and cope the best they can, shifting over to a new rhythm for two or three days and then back for two or three days. Um, and, and if you tell someone who doesn't have the know-how that, oh, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna give you now two weeks on the night shift, including your days off. And then you're gonna go to two weeks of the day shift, including yeah. your days off. They're gonna say, no, 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 that sounds like hell. I would never wanna do that because they don't know how to do it. But if they actually, if we go to a slow rotation, so if, if, if workers can be at least two weeks on the same shift, including their days off and have the proper education, then they actually can shift their rhythm much like you do if you go to Italy for two weeks. Um, you get there after you know a few days, you start to adjust. And in fact, in my program, I teach them how to start adjusting a few days in advance. Mm -hmm. So then when they get there, they can kind of hit the ground running more. Um, uh, what to do on their days off so that they're partially aligned and not completely flip-flopping like Amy said, just going back to the regular go to bed at 10, wake up at seven schedule, just in out of relief, really. I think mm -hmm. most of them are just, they can't only push through, but so many nights. Um, and then knowing what to do in the mornings um, to, to block the sun when you leave work. Um, one of the biggest mistakes uh, a lot of ship workers make is hopping in their car and driving home as the sun's coming up and you can't help it. You got to get from point A to point yep. B, but they get all this sunlight on the way home and the brain automatically starts producing cortisol, getting you ready for the day, promoting wakefulness. Yeah. And yeah. by the time you get home to your blacked out bedroom, uh, it's pointless. <laughs> yeah. At that point. Um, and likewise at night, they're not getting that um, bright light exposure that they normally would be getting, you know, by sitting by a window in their office or out driving, you know, in their cruiser when, when they're working the day shift. Um, and so we actually have to create opportunities for artificial bright light at night. It psychs the brain out. The brain starts to believe that yeah. you're in another time zone. And then you can literally be completely aligned and have circadian alignment on the night shift. So you know, I like to teach um, workers to advocate for themselves. I say, get me your EHS manager's phone number, have them call me, I will help them understand. I will let them take the program for free. I have it e-learning. It, it's funny, it was pre-pandemic that mm -hmm. um, I, I was doing these workshops and I just realized how difficult it is to train shift workers when you're not a shift worker. And I was like, hmm, how, this is really a scheduling nightmare. Um, having to come in on this week for this crew and that week for that crew, catch them when they're on the day shift or, or I have to go in at night. And, you know, um, 
I created the e-learning program so that they can watch it any time of day on any device. It can be easily accessed. It's one hour. It's not yeah. like, you know, a 10 hour program or anything. And it's something that the individuals can seek out themselves. But personally, I feel like it's the responsibility of the employer to pay for this for them. I feel like this is training, you know. Well, this and, is and to just to also be devil's advocate, you know, it is health and safety. Yeah. And so it, it does fall right into the genre of making sure that we have a healthy work environment. If we're asking people to do shift work, and there can be possible health risks from long-term exposure to doing it incorrectly, then it should fall into that area of the business that looks after this. Saying, well, the workers should self-educate is a option out, which I yeah. don't think the company should be getting because they're the ones who are making the schedule. And so Agreed. like one of the things I'm hearing is that if is looking at the schedule and making sure that the schedule is so that if it is a shift worker, they're coming in in the evening and they're leaving before sunrise. So that way, like what you were saying about the sun coming up, if you if you make the shift so it doesn't occur. So even thought in those areas, like how are you planning out the shift? Is it going mm -hmm. to and and I think there's even um, education that's needed around the supervisors and those people making the shifts, because I can guarantee you this is not being thought about by the management level either. Right. You know, so I think that we need, you know, major changes at the, you know, shift policy level, mm -hmm. you know, that will trickle right down. But I think providing proper education to the workers, the work you'll find workers advocating, asking. Uh, I worked with a paramedic not long ago who who want, wanted who asked, "Can I actually be on two straight weeks, mm -hmm. including my days off, so that I can be healthier and I can shift my rhythm and and then go back to days for two straight weeks?" I mean, I ask anybody, "Would you rather go, you know, overseas or work in China for?" four days and then come home and work for two and then go back and work for three and then come home and work for four. Yeah. Or would you, would you rather go there for two straight weeks, do your work, have your days off, come back and work for two straight weeks. <laughs> it's so obvious, you know, so we, but all, we all keep in mind also, <laughs> keep in mind also though, that the health and safety professional, part of their role is they should be advocating to ensure that the workers are getting what they need in order to help a health and safety work environment. It's all good for us to say, oh, the workers should advocate. Well, that's only works for certain personalities. Not You're all right. personalities have that. And, and, and there's people that are working in environments where they're marginalized. If they spoke up, that would ping them. So never mind what time your shift is, is you wouldn't even get a shift because you spoke up. So I, I really want to, to not lay it on the worker for the worker to be independent and, and get your education because the company is the one who should be providing the training in the health and safety to educate the employees if they want the employees to be working shifts because it's an, it's an exchange, right? You're, you're asking for the employee's time in relation to giving them a financial exchange. But yeah. in that, you should also be providing the employees what they need to be right. able to um, 
to function properly. And if that means that your management and your supervisors who are making the schedule also have to be thinking when they're doing out the schedule, mm -hmm. that needs to be part of the conversation. Amy, I saw you unmute. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to bring up a point to what you're saying. And, you know, I like that you're talking about, you know, what else can an organization from an organizational standpoint do? And, you know, we can talk about supervisors and what they how they should manage it, but it ultimately it's going to come from the top down. Mm -hmm. So I think if, you know, if an organization is not sure where to begin or how to even implement some of this stuff, um, they can even look into getting a survey, finding out what are the members experiencing. You know, as an example, a lot of police services, um, conducted internal reviews or surveys to find out, you know, what's the impact of shift work on when you have court the next day after a night shift and you have to go testify and be on the stand and cognitively have to, you know, so like looking at that or looking at, you know, did you work a certain amount of overtime and are you coming in for your next shift? Is there a reasonable amount of time in between your two shifts where you have, you can get eight hours of sleep or, how much time have you had on and how tired are you to even drive home? That's a safety issue. You know, is there a shuttle service? Is there someone that can, can drive you? So like looking at your own industry, you know, whether that's in the healthcare profession or whatever other types of um, sectors you're working in, you know, as the employer looking at, let's ask our members, what are some of the negative experiences that they've had so far with maybe shift work? How is it impacting them in a certain way? And based on, whatever your sector is, you, it, you'll find answers based on maybe where some of the issues um, mm -hmm. and then making those adjustments and making changes to policies and procedures and practices um, to make sure that you are putting your members um, at the forefront of their well-being, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this was a great conversation so far. I did want to ask you both to set out some, some real actionable things that people can do. So three recommendations that people who are listening today could actually turn around who are health and safety professionals and, and give to their teams. What would those be? I would say abolish a rapid rotating shift if that's what you're operating on. You're looking for your next catastrophic events to occur, mm -hmm. um, staying in that, you know, um, really difficult type of shift, um, extend to at least a slow rotation if you need to do rotation, uh, get all of your workers trained. If you need information on how to do that, reach out to you, Tamara, or they can reach out to me directly. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would be happy to talk with them about any kind of corporate plan to get that onboarded as soon as possible. Um, invest in blue light blocking sunglasses for all of your staff. They're like 10 or $15 a pop at, yeah. um, from Amazon. You can buy them in bulk. Look into getting bright light boxes, little portable ones, um, stations set up around your facility so that it's the equivalent of a cloudy day. I mean, workers would probably just want to double check they don't have eye disease or some, re, you know, some things to look into for people that shouldn't use them. Um, but that can give you a little boost of energy. It will also help your brain believe that it's night. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are some like physical things that they could actually provide to the workers um, on site. And um, 
just thinking what else educate and i love the idea of taking a survey like amy said i think mm -hmm. that's a great idea a great place to start so that you can actually build morale and help them feel supported and listened to and heard because nobody's asking no one's asking shift workers how is that for you mm -hmm. what's going on with your sleep do you just bounce back have you gained weight? How's your health? No one's asking. No. Um, and, and like Amy said, protecting their mornings um, for sleep and not scheduling morning meetings, not expecting them to show up for courts um, if they've been on a night shift the day before, um, providing maybe some healthy, nutritious opportunities um, and, mm -hmm. and just doing whatever you can to um, be empathic to you know, their, their experience and their sacrifice that they're making for their job. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. I can't wait to hear what Amy would suggest too. Uh, thanks, Jessica. Those are all great tips. I know you kind of focus more on what the organization or the employer can do. And so I'll kind of focus on maybe more of what the individual can do. Because we all know what we need to do <laughs> sometimes. To a certain degree, we know that we should maybe go to bed earlier or we should, um, you know, put, have some type of like sleeping routine, but, um, you know, and I've been guilty of it too, or I'm like, oh, I need to go to bed sooner, or I should have went, to, you know, I should have done this. And then you get caught up with stuff that you're doing or you're reading or you're doing something with your family. So you just really need to set some boundaries to make sure that you are getting the sleep that you need. Even mm -hmm. if you have, you know, aside from, let's say if you have insomnia or you have trouble falling asleep, you need to set up a routine where you can get into a rhythm of, I'm getting ready for bed. I've got my downtime. I'm getting my body ready so that it knows it's time to go to sleep. Whatever that unwinding looks like, maybe you're not in front of the TV or the computer because of the blue light that Jessica mentioned, but really getting your room ready. Um, setting the mood. If you do have trouble sleeping, um, look up different breath exercises. There's mm -hmm. uh, when you're breathing from the belly and you're really focusing on um, expanding the belly out when you bring the breath in and not from the chest portion, it actually stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest through your vagus nerve. And that's going to help you um, relax, sleep. It's going to de-stress you. These are even practices that you can do if you're you know, stressful at work, but understanding different things that you can do as an individual that way. Um, if you're at work, you know, just be, I feel like we've become a culture that's addicted to coffee. <laughs> you have mm -hmm. to have your coffee or you have too much of it. And maybe you have it maybe too late in the, like during your night shift. So try to limit having coffee. Uh, I would say at least four to six hours before you're even going to go to sleep or try to. And even though you might not think it's going to affect you, because I work with people and they'll go, hey, do you want a coffee? It's like four in the morning. Like, no, we're going to, we're supposed to be off work in two hours. And how are you going to go to sleep? Um, you know, so maybe people don't think it'll affect you, but, um, and you want maybe the coffee to stay awake while you're driving. Um, but there's other tricks that you can do like breath exercises or in, on your lunch break, Maybe take a quick nap as opposed to, um, you know, drinking coffee and staying up because um, that'll kind of give you a quick energy burst, you know, maybe 20 to 40 minutes or do a light workout that will kind of re-energize you. And then you're tiring your body so that you can sleep and then you feel rested. So 
you know, maybe taking a, a hot bath when you get home or a shower, because mm -hmm. that's going to stimulate again, your relaxation uh, response. So just knowing little tricks like that, that you can use as an, on an individual level um, in the time being, and just again, set boundaries, let your family know that you really need to get a certain amount of sleep. And if you go into debt, sleep debt, <laughs> try yeah. to make as quickly as you can. If you only got three hours the one night, you really need to get more the very next day. And I would also think to add here is try to have a daily routine. You know, that's what you do in when you're up during the day is that you have a routine. And so the same thing if you're doing shift work. So if, if you were a person that maybe you get up, you go for a jog, and then you have breakfast or something, you can still do that as a shift worker. At least that's what I did when I was doing a bit of shift work. Um, a friend of mine suggested that. So we get up, we do our jog, then I eat breakfast, then I go to work, then I come home. Like you were saying, run a warm bath it was a really great way to just kind of get the body relaxed to thinking, you know, and then even like just read a book or something, like kind of mimic what you would have done if it was flipped, only you're doing in the evening. But I wanted to pick up also what you were saying about the lighting. One, the lighting at work, and two, um, the proper setup at home to create darkness. It's almost like, Jessica, people should be providing an assessment to the workers for their personal environment to say, okay, let's kind of look at, like, where do you sleep? Is that set up for optimum sleep? What are your thoughts on yeah. that? And we'll close it out. Yep. Well, in my training program, I definitely cover sleep hygiene for the shift worker, because just like Amy said, life is going on in the real world during the yeah. day, and they have to mask all, all of that noise. And you would be surprised how many shift workers don't actually have blackout curtains. It no. shocks me. Um, and I don't know how they expect to sleep solidly and with the bright light coming in, but a lot do. So you're right. Just having a survey getting the EHS staff to, you know, survey their workers and find out, do you mm -hmm. sleep in a blacked out bedroom? Do you use white noise, uh, earplugs, eye masks? Do you have a, a great wind down routine or a bedtime routine? Because you're right, that really conditions the brain and, and cues the brain that sleep is coming. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, at work at night, you know, having dim light conditions really sets the, the, the shift worker up for getting even more sleepy, um, you know, and so having nice bright lights on, you know, at work um, when they're, they're needing to stay up at night is super important. Keeping the environment cool, we don't want it too warm and cozy and dim. Um, yeah. You can imagine some security officers, that must be really hard for them to just sit in isolation and stay mm -hmm. awake um, all night um, in those circumstances but absolutely doing a survey for you know their sleep environment um the the company that i worked for initially uh their hr manager gave everybody that attended the workshop blue light blocking sunglasses to wear over their prescription lenses on their ride home just in case the sun was coming up or they had to run a quick errand or take their child to the bus stop in, in addition he gave them all a 100 dollars gift card to lowe's to get some blackout curtains or, um, you know, Amazon even has them for less expensive. Mm -hmm. I have some, you know, just links on my website just for a quick, you know, survey. But, um, you know, th these things are, are small, but yeah. powerful. Um, and that's all of the tips 
for helping shift workers. They're, they're very small changes that can have a massive impact um, on someone's life. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been amazing. Yeah, thank you for having us. This is such an important topic and I'm really glad that we could shed some light on some healthier, uh, healthier ways to manage shift work moving forward. So thanks. I, I appreciate you being here so much, Amy, as someone who works shifts. Um, I think your experience is just so powerful um, and you're inspiring for so many and a, such an excellent advocate, um, not only for mental health. I know you're a mental health advocate, but absolutely for just health and safety in general, um, you're making a big difference for all the shift workers out there. So thank you. And thank you, Tamara, for having us. Um, this thank is you. such an important topic and very rarely talked about. And yeah, I feel yeah. like you're a, an amazing <clears throat> resource for so many because you have a huge following. So you're, you're making a huge impact on thousands, if not millions of shift workers, just by sharing this information with your network. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Because it is a topic, as you said, that is not the spotlight never gets shine on. And we're doing a disservice to those workers when we don't think about that, you know? Absolutely. And so thank you both. Well, thank you for joining that amazing conversation with Jessica, Amy. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you're looking for the episode notes, please go to safepedia.com and uh, you can read all about Amy and Jessica, how to contact them and what they've been doing on the episode page. And if you're looking for more health and safety content to share with your team and your network, go to safepedia.com. We are updating our content daily. Until next time, stay safe.